A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Penn Holderness. Welcome to our podcast where you can hear us but not see us. And today that is a good thing <laughs> for me, for me. Uh, I have showered. I don't mean to brag. My but. body is not a wonderland. <laughs> You may know us from our really goofy, silly, dancey videos, but this is our podcast and it's a little different. We can dive into just about whatever we want. This is this was meant for us to have a conversation about being better people and expanding ourselves and listening to each other and learning a whole lot. Yeah, here's the thing. We've been trying to be better people and a lot of times we get into fights that we have with each other and we have people help get us out of them. We have talked to people through all kinds of fields about communication, about being a better parent, about dealing with special needs that kids might have. So this week, and also like last week, we are bringing people who we can talk to about social issues, and there's a reason why. Uh, right now, when we're recording this, it's just just for some context, we've got to talk about this. It's the day after uh, what happened with um, with Minnesota at the police precinct. Uh, the the protest at night. And so that's where we are as a country now. Right. So we're recording this Friday, May 29th. And by the time you listen to this, the world may be a lot different. It seems like every morning I wake up and the world is a little bit more on fire. So the conversations we'll have today, uh, first of all, you are going to love Jen Hatmaker. I've been... so. She's written a new book, and I'll intro her. So Jen Hatmaker, she's written several New York Times bestsellers, including For the Love and Of Mess and Moxie. Her newest book, Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire, The Guide to Being Glorious You, has had me laughing and crying like within the 10 minutes of each other. So she hosts the For the Love podcast and has created a community for millions of women to laugh and learn. She's married and has five children. So I feel like that's a whole lot of kids. Um, she's a fierce advocate for marginalized groups and her latest book, she really talks about the evolution of that in a very raw way. So we're gonna talk about her book. I really recommend you listening to it on Audible because that's how I did it and it's hilarious. And she has she's she's gonna speak to us about just her evolution 
evolution um, in terms of how she defends and walks with marginalized groups. So um, it's 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 going to be a good discussion. And to that point, we're going to have to touch on some things that are currently happening. So that's why we wanted to let you know when this is being recorded, uh, but the lessons and the things that she teaches us shouldn't have a date or an expiration or a timestamp on them. So anyway, hi, Jen. And welcome, my best friend, but she doesn't know it, Jen Hatmaker. <laughs> welcome to our podcast. Isn't this fun? Oh we're gosh. so cute. We're adorable. And Penn, too. You're cute, too, Penn. I'm going to step away. <laughs> so You guys keep fangirling each other, oh, and I'll just chill sure. here. It works out sure. just fine for me. I've been following you and reading you for years um and this your last your latest book fierce free and full of fire the guide to being glorious you i listened to on audible whereas before i've read your books oh my goodness my dog walks my every time i walk my dog and then my neighbors must have thought i was insane because i was either (laughs) laughing or crying or just like stopping and thinking Mm. i loved it so so much Thank you for telling me that. Like, I just got a visual. I just yes. was with you on your dog walk in my brain. Yes. Um, thank you. I love that you listen to Audible. I I think that's my favorite version of the book because, number one, I read it, which mm-hmm. is just fun. And then I just added so much stuff because nobody – you can do what you want in yes. your own Audible book. So I'm like, it turns out I have something to say about what I already said. <laughs> well, so, I loved that. I loved how you were like, okay, pause. Okay, let me tell you this. Uh-huh. And like, uh-huh. okay, back. And then pause. Like that was my um, my favorite. I feel like you get so much more out of it. So yeah, thanks. Thank you for saying that. Thank you so much for listening to it. And it's just been so fun to watch you guys and your zany family through the years too. I, obviously, I relate no clearly. Um, and so Wait, you I'm have like, like yeah. two and a half times more kids than we do. You have like a lot of extra kids. So bless you. <laughs> Nobody told us not to do that. I just don't, you know, we just, <laughs> just all of a sudden, we were going to have two and now we oh. have five. So I don't really know where the train is. Wait a minute. Is. You can't, hang on. You can't just say, whoops, three more kids. Yeah, I know. And yet here we are. And yet here we are. <laughs> so I, I admit to the like absurdity of that. Like, oh, how yeah. was your weekend, honey? It was okay. I have some news. I, we have three more kids. <laughs> I know. <laughs> The kid math got really wonky. And so, yeah, but we're a little bit north. We're, ours are slightly, you know, we've got two in college and two in high school and one in middle. So we're kind of, we have, we're in only teen and young adult land, Mm. um, which to me is my preference. That's the, the early years when everybody was a baby, I just, I mean this nicely, but I called it baby prison and I was happy to break free. Um, I loved them when they were little, but it was so hard. I like them when they can make a sandwich. You know I li- what I mean? Yeah. I like them when they can wipe their own butts is my same. Like, yeah. Well, same. I mean, there's different levels, right? There's, there's yeah. wipe your own butt. Good start. Yeah. Make a sandwich even better. And then the, better. just the golden goose is leave them. <laughs> you know, I'm is telling the- you, you're not wrong. And uh, if I could add on a next level, um, this is where we're at right now, right this very second. We have our very first, like freshly minted, brand new, like not even one week old college graduate. Oh. And so now we are looking at the very real possibility of moving one of them off the payroll. Ooh. I mean, it is like, what, what did we just do? No, it's not happened yet. This is theoretical. I'll let you know that. <laughs> right. It's like the trip to Mars. Yeah. Like you can yeah. see it. 
<laughs> but you have to get yeah. some test launches and yeah. some yeah, people yeah, yeah. are probably going to exactly die. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. So, so how has this lockdown been? Because I'm assuming they're all home with you now, right? Yeah, right. Um, my my one daughter, my second daughter, who's a, a sophomore at UT, she has an apartment in town and she's kind of on campus still, but the rest of them are here. Okay. And like we've moved through several phases of like... Um, optimism at the beginning we're like oh this is fun no school and puzzles yeah. right and then it moved into like slight frustration like wow you're still here yeah. and uh, slightly on my nerves and then like rage and despair when brandon like ripped our porch off just in one like blaze of glory um so <laughs> we're just kind of all over the map uh we we we're day to day at this point mm-hmm. but now it feels so weird because it's summer but it's like it's been summer and so what even is summer? What even does that what mean? Does that mean? Yeah, that's where we are right now. It's like that's mm-hmm. just like we're closing the laptops on school and we're like, now what? Um, right. Yeah. Um, so your book, and I know you're promoting a book right now during a pandemic. So that's cool. That's um, great. I recommend it. Totally. 10 out of 10 recommend. Mm-hmm. And I love how you read it. I love how you wrote it. But why is this like, why was this book now? Because, yeah. I mean, for those, okay, so for those who don't know you, I should have backed up and, you know, I did a little intro, but talk to us about like what this book meant in the evolution of Jen Hatmaker. Sure. This, let's see, my really good friend, Sarah Bessie, she is a friend and a fellow writer. She, the way she put it was like this. She was a really early reader. And she said, Jen, this is the book that you earned. And I'm like, it just like cut me right to my heart because it's true. This was the one that I lived and I learned and I earned. And so I don't, this is dramatic, but that's never stopped me. Um, Basically, this was the culmination of of my adult life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this is me um, having gone through all the iterations of Jen Hatmaker um, and fine tuning them step by step to meet the needs of the crowd and finally deciding that trying to belong to a set of like group rules and group norms where, you know, essentially belonging is both the reward and the punishment for when you step out of line mm-hmm. was too exhausting and too hard. And all those versions of myself kept competing and contradicting with each other. And I finally just decided to belong to myself. So this is the story of what it looked like to walk into basically a whole life of freedom where there is now one version of me and she lives openly and genuinely and sincerely in every room I'm in now. It's amazing. It feels like a miracle, to be honest with you. And I, I, um, and that part, I, I felt it hard because, mm-hmm. so, I mean, we can walk this back because you are a fierce advocate for marginalized groups, but you weren't yeah. exactly raised that way. And you're, right. uh, you know, uh, you're married to a pastor, you grew up in a church, but like you, uh, you're, you're, it evolved, you evolved. Yeah. And then, so what you, and you lost a lot by changing your mind. So, I sure did. Yeah, so talk to us about that. Yeah, so I just grew up with such a myopic worldview. I I did the majority of my growing up years in Kansas, and it was just like incredibly small perspective on the world. Um, everybody was white. Everybody was about the same socioeconomic level. Um, everybody had super similar faith ideals and that's the only world I knew I I had no other perspective none Mm -hmm. I didn't have any diversity in my community um in my um faith spaces none nothing 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 um the my world was tended by white men um and so I kind of 
as I grew up into a grown up, um, you know, as you do, you see more, you hear more, you experience more. I started understanding different perspective. I started listening to different kinds of teachers. I started following mentors who were asking real brand new radical questions. I didn't even know we had permission to ask. Um, and I started seeing injustice for the way that it lived wild and free in this world. And I had always been very shielded from that because I just, I was literally in the center of the bullseye of privilege. And so I didn't have to see any of that. Um, And I had the luxury of imagining that uh, we were all on equal footing. And so, you know, when it became abundantly clear that we were not, I have this justice thing inside of me that is, I just can't help it. It's just the way I am. I am wired that way. And so when I started to see inequality and the way that it was ravaging um, communities of color and the LGBTQ community and um, people who were disenfranchised economically, I just couldn't take it. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't take it. And then I began to see my role inside of it um, as complicit, primarily with my silence and ignorance. And so I was just determined to do what I could. And so that meant steering into the curve and becoming a learner and a listener and then ultimately a friend and an ally and advocate. Um, and so I, I regret nothing. I regret that's, that's the work of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a cost built in and you're not wrong about that. When you talk about seeing inequality and wanting to do something about it, I want to go back to the framework of you being in the family of a pastor. Uh, okay. I'm, a, I'm a preacher's kid. So yep. I remember this and you can be a loving, wonderful person but yeah. then there's the Bible and oh which can be interpreted in a number of ways. And, totally. you know, I have, I have a dad who, who trended very liberally in the interpretation mm. of the Bible. He gave mm. a speech, he gave a sermon, excuse me. They're called sermons. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's been a while since I've been there. <laughs> it's um, been a minute. He gave, he gave a sermon in 1995. I'll send you the, mm. the sermon. We found that we were moving him out of his house about the difference between being born as a, as, as a homosexual or choosing to be one 1995 wow. in front of his Ahead congregation, of four people walked out People's during walked the sermon, a couple of people left, wow. but in, it, it, ultimately it galvanized. And so, you know, I had mm. conversations with my dad cause I was in college about why this is such a big deal. And he said, look, you can be a great person. And he, he wasn't dogging on other churches, but mm. you have this congregation and this line that you have to tow that can mm. be very, very restraining, not only Absolutely. as the pastor himself, but as a part of that family. Oh man! I mean, you're, destru- you're describing my childhood. Yeah. What denomination did you grow up in? Presbyterian USA. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, you know, there's tons of nuance, s- sort of from one faith community to the next. But there's some real across the board standard rules of engagement that we all probably experienced, um, like you just mentioned, and um, and and that's for darn sure. I-, I can tell you, I kind of came up through. In my childhood, I was raised Southern Baptist. Uh-huh. And then in my adulthood, I would have said I was a little bit more identified with kind of mm, like evangelical women's subculture. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it's a whole thing. It's a whole industry. And I was doing great there. I mean, I was groomed to succeed there. I know all the language. I mean, that was my, fir- that was my first, t- that was my native tongue. <laughs> and I have just the right personality for that. And so just a little bit sparkly, you know, yeah. and, uh, and so it was working for me. I mean, it really was, I was succeeding like, and building a whole career and there, but the problem was for me, 
is that the rules that are both like spoken and unspoken, and we all know what they are. And even mm-hmm. even for the people listening right now who are like, uh, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't. That's not, I don't have a faith community. But most of us know what it means to belong to a subgroup that has rules, mm-hmm. um, and they're enforced. And we are rewarded when we keep them, and we are punished with exclusion when we don't, that's normal. That that can happen inside a family, like an extended family group. That can be in your corporate culture. That can be even in your geography. Like I have women write to me all the time and they're like, Jen, I have like really progressive viewpoints and I live in the deep South. Like who will help me? You know? Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's just where you live and that sort of standard operating procedure. But um, for me, because my internal questions and convictions were starting to rub really hard against the group standards and norms. And I was, I was questioning things that were supposed to be carte blanche accepted across the board. These were not things we asked. These were not things we challenged. Um, That internal cognitive dissonance became too much for me. And I knew I like, I got to a point uh, and it was not one, just one thing. It was a lot of things. It was, it was operating inside a faith system that was built on patriarchy and white supremacy. And it was tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I finally just figured like, I'm either going to get to keep my career as I know it, as I've built it over here, or I'm going to get to keep my integrity, but I do not get both because yeah. they are in contradiction with each other. And so I picked my integrity. It's the best decision I ever made. You lost, pro- I'm imagining you lost followers on and then you I think didn't you lose a book deal or you lost there was something that happened in your publishing career like there were consequences for that oh sister look if you would like to know where the line is in that subculture at which point you are officially (laughs) uninvited it is standing side by side and unequivocally affirming your LGBTQ friends and neighbors. There it is. If you want to know, mm-hmm. if you're curious, <laughs> that's the thing. There's the line. And yeah. that was the thing for me. And so not only followers, but yeah, my books were pulled off shelves. And in one case, my my book that was selling the most was pulled out of print entirely. And, um, you know, uninvited from a million things. And so it was very financially punitive, mm-hmm. um, catastrophic for a while. And, um, and then just this, this sounds, I don't know how this is going to sound, but I, I, nobody is built to have articles written about you every single day for months on end. Thought nobody pieces. is built for that. Open just letters hit, are my favorite. Yeah. Open letters, hit pieces, um, you know, Jen Hatmaker, this is what it looks like to not be a Christian anymore. I mean, it just went on and on and on. Called me every name of the book. You know, people <sighs> burned burned our books and mailed them to us. It was just devastating. Um, people talked to my kids in public about us. It was horrifying. Um, and so, and our church took a real hit. So yeah, there was loss built in. So I hope I never soft sell that or make that um, kind of a... a an easy little just bump in the story. It was real. Um, however, it was still worth it because on mm-hmm. the other side of that, okay, I don't even know where to start, but here's the thing. I had a really, really good friend. She died about one year ago. Her name was Rachel. Held uh, Evans. Obsessed. Yes. Oh, so oh, Say so her name happy. again. I'm sorry. Rachel Held Evans. Okay, She's gotcha. an amazing I'm writer. So and happy yes, that you, of course. Her. Yeah. She, um, um, called me right when this was happening, this was in 20, late 2016. So it was, it was a week before the election. That was a really good time. <laughs> um, 
And it was, everything was just absolutely on fire. Every single thing was on fire. And she called me from an airport and she said, Jen, I'm going to tell you something that you don't know right now. You couldn't possibly know it because everything is so scary and loud right now. But she said, first of all, know this, you, you will rebuild this. This is not the end. You will discover a new community. It will be beautiful. It will be charitable. It will prioritize spiritual curiosity over spiritual certainty. And you, you will love it there. You will recover. But she said, I want to tell you something before you even know any of that, even now, while you're standing in the flames, doing the right thing is its own reward and it will be its own comfort. And she was right. Mm -hmm. Like just knowing that I stood in the right spot in my conviction was comforting. Mm -hmm. And it, it sustained me until those flames receded. And they do, they always do. No fire burns forever. Um, And so, and then she was also right that on the other side of that level of work is beauty is freedom, is joy, is community. Um, my only regret is that I didn't get here sooner. Yeah. It's, um, it's it, that, that section, oh, Penn is raising his hand to ask a question. You're cute, okay. Penn. Go for it, Penn. I've, I've loved listening to you. I've not been on these walks and have not had the pleasure of reading your book. I want to now. But, yes. Um, so how, how, is, how have you um, moved forward and made all of these changes as, as the wife of a pastor? How are, like, what, what happened... Yeah there? How did the conversation start and how did it finish? That's a great question. Well, fortunately, Brandon and I have absolutely arced together from beginning to end. Awesome. So that season of inquiry and reevaluation, that was ours. It wasn't just mine. Um, We did that work together. We put our heads down. We both looked at each other and went, none of this makes sense anymore. This doesn't make sense in the real world. Like what we're seeing on the end of some of these doctrines is just death and loss and suffering and trauma. And that, I mean, we're not theologians, but that can't be right. Um, And so we asked these questions together and then we asked it as a church. And so, you know, we have this very little kind of ratchet church in South Austin. It's very wonky and um, it's never, it's not fancy. It is the opposite of cool, whatever that is. (laughs) Um, and, And it's not big. And so as a, even as a little faith community, we were committed to asking these hard questions together. And so there was still a lot of struggle inside of that. We did some people that we dearly loved left mm. and they loved us and we loved them. And that was painful. It wasn't like, Oh, well, good riddance. That's never how it goes. That's it's, it was sad and it was painful. However, again, like who are we standing with? Right. What are we doing here? What is the point if we are unwilling to stand with people who have been marginalized and disenfranchised and oppressed, um, then what, what, what is even the point? We can't call ourselves leaders. That's, Mm -hmm. we might as well just throw in the towel, like turn in the badge. Um, and so, and that was really where we got to was the only reason that we hesitated was honestly out of self-preservation. That was it. Cause we knew, we knew exactly what was going to happen. We knew the cost. We'd seen it. It's not Mm -hmm. a mystery. It's very predictable response. Um, and so, but at some point that's a cold comfort too. Um, that feels cowardly and we felt like a fraud. And so we just said, this is going to be a real, we're going to have to go through a little tunnel of chaos here, but it's the right tunnel. And Mm -hmm. let's get to the other side where we can stand in our integrity with our brothers and sisters who deserve some friends in the fight. 
So, Anna, it, you know, this, this book, I think, would speak to any person who's, who's struggling to kind of live their more authentic self in a really yeah. scary cancel culture time. Right. Um, so on a personal level, like I've attended marches and protests and I've made phone calls mm. and signed petitions and all that stuff. And mm. I fight on my, per- I fight, you know, have fought people in my family over racist language. Sure. And, and- a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This show is sponsored by Care Of. Penn, the birds are singing. Mm-hmm. The, the buds are on the tree. Yes. Winter is finally turning into spring. Yeah, you're a big fan of the spring. And you know, I also love the sun finally coming out from hiding. And you know me, the cold weather just wreaks havoc on my skin, my energy levels, everything. And that is why you've, Kim, you've been trying the care of vitamin packs? Yep, they have these daily packs that you can take on the go, like ceramides, which help reinforce your skin's protective barrier, and iron for energy levels. Yeah, it's awesome because all you do to get started is take a short online quiz about your lifestyle and your health goals, and Care Of will give you doctor-backed recommendations. And they ship high-quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. And something new at Care Of, if you're not yet ready to subscribe to monthly packs, some of their best-selling vitamins are now also available in bottles. For 50% off your first Care Of subscription order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code HOLDERNESS50. That's 50% off your first Care Of subscription order at TakeCareOf.com and use code HOLDERNESS50. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Pen, you know I'm always looking for a snack that's both nutritious and tasty. Both a little snacky, yes. Uh, but of course, the healthy stuff tastes like sand, and the stuff that tastes good isn't healthy, right? Not IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are a quick, low-carb option that I love to grab for my midday slump. So start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. Get seven IQ Bar flavors, four IQ Mix flavors, and four IQ Joe flavors. And today, our listeners get an exclusive offer for 20% off plus free shipping. Just text Holderness to 64000, which is 64000. All IQ Bar products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMO, and artificial sweeteners. Plus, they're packed with high-quality ingredients to keep you physically and mentally fit. And they have a bunch of delicious flavors like chocolate sea salt, which is my favorite, peanut butter chip, and wild blueberry. Don't forget over 10,000 five-star reviews and counting. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix Sticks, and four IQ Joe Sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text HOLDERNESS to 64000. Get your discount. Text HOLDERNESS to 64000. That's HOLDERNESS to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. My personal little Facebook page, but I felt like my role as a person that has a microphone and a platform was more to listen, you know, and I was going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit here and listen. But now you had an Instagram post recently, like it's obvious now that Mm -hmm. it's not enough to be a non-racist. You have to Mm -hmm. be actively and loud in your anti-racism. So I'm feeling a little shame that I haven't Mm. done those things more publicly. And, um, Mm. and especially it just seems like the world is on fire every week. There's Mm. some terrible, terrible, 
you know, way, yeah. something. But what what have you learned for, for those of us who hmm. just want to be more vocal and, and be a better ally in a vocal way, but not overstep the activists that are yeah. doing the work? Like, what's the yeah. line of I want to be an ally, but I don't want to overspeak and overstep? Totally. Well, first of all, Kim, let me say this. I think you got the order of things exactly right. Um, for anybody who is interested in becoming a better ally, your absolute first step is to be a listener and a learner. That is 100% the first place to go. Um, sometimes in our zeal, in our fury, in our outrage, we kind of barrel in like a bull in a china shop. And I understand that. That's my, that's my way. That is my personality. And my justice meter gets, my justice trigger gets tapped and I just freak out. Um, however, we can do more damage than good when we come in half-baked, you know, when we don't really understand the issue, when we haven't deeply learned, like to use this specific example, if we're confronting racism and white supremacy, when we have not deeply learned um, the history of America, when we have not listened to the experiences of people of color, when we have not put them ourselves yet under their leadership, under their teaching, under their mentorship, for some time, I don't mean for a minute. I mean, for a, for a period of time until we, we really, it's, it's such work to peel the blinders off of kind of white privilege. It really is work mm-hmm. because our entire world has been crafted around the preservation of it. And so it is the most intentional space. And so you're, you're not wrong to step into that world as a listener. That is the right thing to do. That makes us better allies um, in the long run. And so, um, I have a friend, her name is Latasha Morrison. She runs this huge organization called Be the Bridge. Yes. I'm, I'm in my I'm on my ninety days of silent. Um yes. yes. I'm I'm in the process of being silent. Yes. Oh, good for you. Okay, yeah. that's what I was gonna say. This is something I've learned from her. She, you know, essentially hosts this huge private Facebook group and it's 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 its role is really as an ed- a place of education for white people who want to be allies. Um But her rule, to your point, is that when you are a white person and you come into the space for the first time, you are not allowed to say anything or to respond to anything or to post anything at all for 90 days. And I find such wisdom in her leadership because our first response um, to issues of injustice where we are in the seat of power, just by virtue of how we were born, is to be defensive. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's shameful. And we feel ashamed, which sometimes looks like anger. Mm -hmm. And so she's just like, I'm going to help you not be like a legitimate threat to our mental health with your mouth Mm -hmm. by saying you don't even get to talk. And that 90 days gives people a chance to only be a learner, to only be a listener. And it's it's profound. Mm -hmm. It really is profound. And so anyway, I don't think you should feel shame that this is the season of learning that you are in at all, at all. But I, yeah, I, and I think a lot of people are asking, you know, it's like people that are just a- awake to the fact that, you know, aware of the privilege of having white skin are like, but what do yeah. we do? Like, how do we help our friends? And mm-hmm. so listening, I, I just feel like listening is, I will always be a listener, but dang, mm-hmm. if I have a microphone, shouldn't I be yeah. using it? Like how I just, I want to freaking do something and yeah, it's, it, it's right. exhausting and, and overwhelming and yeah. So, 
and let's not underestimate the power of just using our words kind of in simple ways we don't not everything we write is going to be a dissertation it's not going to be a treatise on you know the history of white supremacy through over 400 years um, but it matters when we say um this moment this moment of brutality or of another innocent black man be like this is not okay mm -hmm. and we call this murder for what it is that all matters mm -hmm. like even in the most simple terms i what i've discovered in my community i bet this is true for yours is that there's enormous amounts of of people who are listening and watching they're kind of quiet Mm -hmm. But they've got their the fire in their belly is beginning to burn, mm -hmm. and they're trying to figure out language around how to be an ally. They're trying, and so our our advocacy lends people courage. It it's it's a it's a it's a baton pass of sorts, mm -hmm. and so all of that matters, and it also matters in our day to day life. Like not everybody has like a big microphone like you and I, but when you're like Uncle Gary makes a disguise. Wait a minute, wait a minute, stop. I do have an Uncle Gary that I have you had You don't. Had you don't have an Uncle Gary. We got, no, no, we got to change the name. Let's call him, let's, can we call him Mitch? Because you're like, oh you're going to, here's the thing. She's going to be envisioning this guy. We got to go to Uncle Mitch. Gary and would I have never had guys, with Uncle Gary. That but, is hilarious. Uncle Mitch. I've literally even Uncle never Mitch. said Gary. That's the first time I've ever reached for that no, name. No, we started laughing as soon as we said it. Sorry. Let's just start over. Okay. Sorry, Uncle Gary. Okay. <laughs> That's hysterical. What are the odds? What are okay. the odds? Okay. Thank you for giving me Mitch. Okay. But when your uncle Mitch gives the grossest, most racist joke around the dinner table, mm. it also still matters in that moment to say, no, that's not okay. Like, I don't want to hear that. And I don't want you to say that. And you're definitely not going to say it in front of me. This is how we began to turn the tides. Like it's in the dailiness of life. And so everybody has a role to play. Every single person. Um, it matters what we teach our kids, what they hear us say. Um, it, our kids are paying attention to who we're paying attention to. Mm -hmm. They see that. They see what we're reading. They see what we're listening to. Um, they see what we are saying inside of our homes. That is literally how either cycles get repeated or they get broken. Um, because kids really, this kind of stuff is caught almost more than it's taught. And so if what they are catching inside our homes are really like earnest conversations around anti-racism, around LGBTQ rights and inclusion, around the preservation of human dignity, our kids see that. And they hear that and that lands. And so I think this is also how we consider our role in this type of work, which is what are our kids picking up in our homes? I want to ask the, I want to ask more about uncle Mitch. Um, <laughs> here's why. Okay. You guys, uh, Kim has been an active, Kim has been a socially active person. She's gone to women's marches. She, ha yeah. I know you say you haven't done enough. I feel like you have made your opinions felt. You've done it in a very mm -hmm. positive way for the most part. And I really appreciate yeah. that. I'm, I'm not uncle Mitch, Yeah, but I look like him. Yeah. I'm yeah. a privileged white male. Yeah. I yeah. was not raised in poverty. I was raised in mm -hmm. extreme comfort. I was raised, yeah. I, I was raised by a very woke mother and father who did a lot for their community. Yeah. Um, and thank God for that because it, yeah. they've instilled all that in me. But so we're talking about, and I, you tweeted about how like not saying something or you know, to not be anti-racist is to be racist. 
then I'm hearing about the 90 minutes, you know, 90 days of silence, which also makes sense. I I have some conflict within me where I do want to listen and shut up and get out of the way. But then there's, there is that conflict of wanting to say something and wanting to make my voice heard and having a platform and an opportunity to do it. So I would love it if you could just tell me exactly what to do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. I actually really appreciate your question. And, and while I do think that there is um, a stage one, of listening and learning where that is really should be the only activity. Yeah. There are stages after that for sure, which is okay. Activation time. We never stop listening and learning that belongs at every single stage, but we do reach a point where we decide to use our influence, to use our voices, um, to use our platforms for justice. And, and honestly, Penn, you are really, really powerful in this conversation. I don't know if there is any more powerful voice right now in the work of anti-racism than um, white men. You, the levers that you can pull um, are probably incomparable. I was reading something from a um, a friend of mine. She is she's a black woman in leadership. I was reading her post yesterday, and she's like, "I have this vision. I have a dream, and I have this dream." of the 100 million white man march when the these men get band together and say that's enough it's enough like even though we are primarily the recipients of the power differential here and always have been um we are saying enough that we are calling for equality that we are calling out white supremacy that we are standing with our um communities of color and we're prepared to tear this wall down brick by brick. Um, and I just thought, wow, there's something really powerful in that, in that imagery because um, communities of color have been telling us forever, every mm-hmm. single generation, what racism feels like in their lived experience and nobody will listen. And so it's only going to be the the chief power brokers that can really turn the tides. And so I love your question. And I hope that you can envision your, your place in this conversation as crucial, absolutely crucial. Because when you say it, um, when you are willing to concede the automatic favor and privilege that you just inherited at birth, that means something. That really, and that has backing to it. And so I thank you for asking the question and for caring. And it's going to be that, that phase two of engagement. I, I think you'll be stunned at how many people are willing to follow your leadership. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm walking on eggshells here. You know, I got a family. Yeah. It's, a, it's a public family. It's a wife yeah. who doesn't yep. love uh, first of all, let's start with this. She can't not read the comments and I'm okay with that. I love her oh, for that. I yeah, love her for love that. It. She feels yes. all the feels, but yeah. we, like we could put a video out that gets like 60 million views and sure. 89,000 of the views could uh, comments could be like, you guys are the best. And one person could yeah. be like, your nose looks funny in this video. And totally. guess which one she's going to remember. <laughs> right. And, I and, but this. it's, it's, and this is not a, this is not a fault or flaw that my wife has. She's yeah. an empath and she feels all the yeah. feels. So, you know, I, I am going to walk on eggshells with this a little bit, yeah. but I also listen, like I, I talked about my dad before. He doesn't have a voice anymore. He's got dementia. Mm-hmm. He can't talk anymore. Someone's got to pick that voice up and it should be someone who's got the same DNA as him. Cause if he were living through this right now, he would be in downtown Durham on a podium 
screaming oh, at the top yeah. of his lungs. He was he was wow, loud. And what proud. a nice thing to say about him. Yeah, um, it's um, it's a lot, and I just want to encourage the people in who are listening to this to be brave enough to to get the comments. And it's the hill I'll die on, right? Like, there's some things yeah. I'm not going to be bothered with, but like, don't mess yeah. with my friends, right? Yeah, and you told totally. a story in your book about somebody messed with your daughter, so you have two children he yeah. adopted from Ethiopia and that's right and one and somebody at school came at, after your daughter and you went all mama bear and I loved that I story yeah I did because at some point we pick between our discomfort as white people who are ruffling feathers and we pick between either that or the loss and trauma and fear of our black friends and neighbors, like which one wins. And so, you know, I've just decided that I can handle, I can handle Mm -hmm. the, the defensiveness and the anger and the, whatever the, whatever the response from the white community is um, because the loss and trauma of my, of the black community is 1000 times worse. And so um, if we have some social losses, okay mm-hmm. um bye like yeah. god god bless and keep it you know go with him um but this is the work yeah my daughter my daughter last year in seventh grade was you know one of her classmates said well you are going to be deported because that's what we do now we deport people who were not born in america and she doesn't know she was she was 12 mm-hmm. you know she's she's adopted she's a u.s citizen but she doesn't understand international adoption law mm-hmm. so i mean i had to bring her home she was so hysterical and had absolutely come apart at the seams and i had to get our adoption lawyer on the phone i had to lay out all of our social security cards it took me two hours to convince mm-hmm. her that she was not going to get deported and yeah and you better believe i was back at that school like a lady on fire like my kids go to a school that's about 60 or 65 percent minority and so and you know i told the principal this is the kind of stuff we just don't look the other way on you know we don't give we don't treat this lightly um because this is this weird sort of way to terrorize kids now and so yeah and it's I, one comment and you're like oh does you know it's this person and it's yeah. but it's that one comment every single day it's that one right. it's over it repeated that that sort of and for a 12 year old i can't imagine how that scary that must have been for her because we have yeah, a, 13, it's like a million little stabs but a, yeah it's like death by stabs. a thousand cuts and it's yes, just like exactly. over and over again so i appreciate your mama bear language on that so um anyway but I, yeah. yeah, I mean, you, so I, I feel like back to the book, um, you, you walk us through this whole process, but even, you know, how you use the Bible, which it spoke mm-hmm. to me as well, because we interpret the Bible the same way. And mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not a popular thing to say that you can interpret the things in the Bible, like you will, like, we'll get some, we'll get some comments from people when we've said like, Oh, this is how I've interpreted it. Um, totally. Yeah. You know, but what's so ironic about that is that the Bible has been interpreted and reinterpreted in its entire history. That's that's the way the Bible has always been received. Every generation has done the work of interpretation in their time. In fact, like in its original context, in its original culture, that was its one of its great beauties in Jewish culture, which was this reexamination constantly, this very robust um, place for spiritual curiosity around those scriptures. So it was never punished or even, 
it wasn't even suspect. That was the way people were expected to engage with the Bible with their brains fully in check. What does this mean in our generation? What does this look like as the arc of freedom continues to roll out century after century? And so what used to be a really ordinary rule of engagement with scripture, which was curiosity in our Western context, which by the way, is like one minute old Mm -hmm. compared to the life of scripture and faith and God in the world. I mean, we're like the, we're like the bratty teenager who was who just knows everything. And so what what has always been celebrated as, you know, a, a place of engagement over here, what's celebrated is certainty. And, and of course, by the way, certainty is a moving target. It mm-hmm. depends on which faith community you're talking to, right? Everybody is certain about their own thing. Um, and so I just don't believe that anymore. I don't buy it. I, I, I've seen it cause too much harm, too much loss. It protects power at the expense of victims. I just don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy that way of engagement. So um, I have this, this process for me has essentially given me my faith back. I mean, I was ready to leave it, drop it like it was hot mm-hmm. because it's, it's mean. It causes harm. Um, first of all, I don't even want that God, that God in that world that is so like arbitrary and punitive and terrifying and angry, like, forget it. I don't even, that would make no sense to me. And so this, this reclaiming um, of a faith that holds more mystery and curiosity and wonder and love, which it insists is at its core. That to me is like a redemption. I th- I put my arms back around that kind of faith and embraced it again. Um, and so I'm grateful for that journey. And so it didn't, you know, even though people who my critics would say, you've left your faith behind, the opposite is true. I reclaimed it. And so, and now it, it lives in a vibrant way in my life again, in a way that compels me toward my neighbor and compels me toward justice and toward goodness and love and hope. And so, I mean, if that's, if that's wrong, then I'm willing to just place my chips on that. Yeah. That's my Jesus. My to quote Jesus Arsenio Hall, if love in the Lord is wrong, I don't want to be right. Sorry. That was coming. Okay. That was coming to I mean, America. Coming to America. <laughs> <laughs> wow that way I to bring really it home. appreciate that old i'm sorry i'm just imagining that really scene do. it's like one of my favorite scenes so it's, yes. it's sexual chocolate yes. when they came oh, out yes. and sang it's <laughs> seen it a hundred times <laughs> oh my gosh jen hatmaker you were a joy and your your book was exactly what i needed during this time and this kind of season and i didn't even know when i you know got it with my audible credits that like what it would do so awesome we will put the link to that book and the audio book in our show description. Um, and where else can people find you? Yeah, well, you know, I'm the only gin hat maker online. Oh, so, I mean, how many of us could there be? That's where I'm at everywhere on the instant and on the Facebook and all the things. All the things. Okay, well, we'll make sure people find you there. I really appreciate your time in this very busy season. Um, Penn is raising his hand again. One other thing, okay. I <laughs> yeah. just I just Googled this. This I'm such an idiot. Like you're Kim, you're so much more prepared for this than I am. But I just was. <laughs> I'm also curious, and also you need the idiot in these interviews, so because you have to talk to people like they don't know what's going on. Uh, so that's what I'm here for. It. He's here to be I the idiot. It. Jen Hatmaker sells hats, which she should because her name is Jen Hatmaker. Of course, she should have merch. It's and so on hats. the nose. She's it's so on the nose. She's also apparently about to take the last train to Georgia right now. 
you guys, I know I live by a train and I just finally, when I first started podcasting, I was like, I would have my guests stop every single time a train came by until finally I was like, you know what? We're never going to get through a freaking podcast. So now I just let, I just goes like, this is just a soundtrack. If you want to hear me, you also get a train. Oh, and you, oh, I don't know if you realize our kids both came upstairs. We're in the, our kind of finished attic space and sure. both of our kids came up and there's knocking on doors. So, but people probably heard that too. So this is, this is, is 2020, you guys. I am buying a fierce, black, fierce gin hat maker hat right now. I love it. This, I, love like, it. I told you I'm such low hanging fruit right now. Like, I know, like, you guys just talked about something so important, but like I was ADDing a little bit. Like, I wonder if she's making hats because her name's hat maker. And then there so, they are. And what the hell is wrong with me? He was very that was concerned. such a meaningful podcast. He, he was very <laughs> concerned that you weren't capitalizing Listen, on your merch. She is though. I know. So oh good. My gosh. I'm tickled. Me, I'm an idiot. No. Oh my right. God. That hat would look good on you. The like black one, right? I can't, I can't pull yes. off gold. He hasn't had the black. Yeah, the exactly black right. That's right. what Brandon wears. Well, how big is the? Um, so I have a really big, <laughs> oh, wide same. head. So oh my gosh! Some my hats you put on, and you it looks like one of those uh, ice cream hats from a baseball yeah. game, like on top of my head. <laughs> is this one? Do we? Is there I good have girth? Your back. Okay. Oh right, my gosh! Good. I have your back. I I can never have a little a little hat because my head is so gigantic. Well, okay, and he yours. has um, nine pounds of hair because he hasn't had a haircut oh, since like Jen. Ni- or t- oh, 2019. Oh and I'm not going to sport clips. I don't care that they're open. <laughs> That's what like, my I'm, boy said. <laughs> That's exactly what they said. He's like waiting oh. to see his stylist. It's really oh, there's a gosh. lot of vanity involved in pen holderness. <laughs> That's why I love you, baby. Um, uh, thank you, Jen Hatmaker. Yeah. Thank you, friend, for thank your you. words. Yeah. And I loved all it. of this. And uh, I loved it. We will chat Thanks very for having me. soon.